me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arm. Evening, everybody. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship and our Wednesday night refreshing service. God is so good. His word just washes over us. Father, I thank you that tonight you wash us in the water of your word and you breathe your breath into us. And Lord, we glorify you and lift up your holy and wonderful name. And we bless you tonight, Father, and we welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Here I am, standing in
reaching us in this place tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, breathe upon. Oh, we worship you, Lord.
Come on, let's worship. You're the air that we breathe. Oh, from the heavenly, we breathe the breath of God. Oh, we worship you in this house. Come on. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. tonight we have come because we love you and desire to worship you and Lord you feed us from your rich pasture out of your goodness and out of your abundance and Lord we thank you that you lead us and you speak to us
I have prepared a place for you in my presence. You can come and hide under my shadow and abide in my might. Come close to me. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You hungry for Jesus tonight? You ready to give him of your all tonight? Are you open for what he has for you tonight? Hallelujah. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we bless your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. God is so good, isn't he? Amen. Hallelujah. Just want to let you know that on Saturday, our men will be meeting for our, we call our men's group, our Barnabas group. And we have a breakfast of encouragement at 8.30 this Saturday. So if you're 12 and older, you can come and uh, participate. We always have good food. And it's a great time to come together and to share. So men, we'll see you on Saturday at 8.30. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, before I dismiss the kids, I just want to read something to you from Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. You know, God deserves our honor. Because everything he gives is good. It's his best. Hallelujah. And uh, we need to honor him in return. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, I'm reading from the Amplified. And it says, In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Okay? But Abel brought an offering of the finest, firstborn of his flock. And the fat portions. So he brought the first, the fattest, and the fluffiest. Now this has nothing to do with produce or animals. But it has everything to do with a heart. And an approach. Two brothers took two different approaches to God. One just got whatever was laying around. He didn't really take time to pick out the best, knowing who he was going to, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing he, who he was going to give it to. But Abel took time to pick out the best, the first, the firstborn, the finest, and the fattest. <clears throat> and I want you to see this. Verse 5, but for Cain... Let's see, the end of verse 4. And the Lord had respect or regard for Abel and his offering, 
But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. You know, God is not going to respect leftovers. Amen? When, whenever we give to God, we ought to give our best. Right? Whatever it is. Even whether it's two mites or two million. Amen? Two mites was the best that the woman had. Right? And uh, so Cain became extremely angry or indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why do you look annoyed if you do well? Did Cain have an opportunity to do, do, do a do-over? Yeah, God, God could have, he could have had a different approach. And then he said, uh, and, and do what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, but ignore my instructions, sin crouches at the door and its desires to overpower you. Well, do we know that Cain, did, did Cain follow the instruction? No, he didn't. Because he ended up killing his brother over an offering. And it was his own fault. Right? So when you give, when you give your offering tonight, give it because you love. Amen? Don't give it because you have to. Give it because you want to or you get to. Amen? Father, I give you thanks and praise for these givers. I speak a blessing over their gifts, Father, and how they give, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord. We love you, and therefore we give to you, and we honor you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, we have some awesome kids tonight and some teachers who are going to teach them the word. Kids, have a great class. Be blessed. Open your hearts and receive. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the word tonight? Got your seatbelts on? Tonight we're going to tap into the power of Christ. You know, Jesus gave his church keys to his authority and power. And uh, those keys open up doors and create opportunities. How many are ready to open a door tonight and to create an opportunity tonight? Amen. Well, you have the keys to receive the good, abundant, and rich life that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have God's life and we have his works. And we know that his will works. Amen. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and that's where we're going to begin tonight. Hallelujah. And starting with verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, or when he, when he came into Palmyra, He asked his disciples, now who were his disciples? They were the ones who traveled with him, who heard him, who watched him, who witnessed his works, right? They knew him. Everybody say they knew him. 
So he's telling people who know him. He's telling us. He said, whom do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, someone else's opinion about God is not going to help you. You've got to have your own opinion about God. You've got to have your own experience with God. You've got to have your own encounter with God. You know, God didn't design us to live off of each other's coattails. God comes to us individually and corporately. Amen? Each one of us have a relationship with God. And when we come together as a church, we have a relationship with God. Right? God meets us on both levels, individually and corporately. Okay, so someone else's opinion about God isn't going to help you. It isn't going to, you know, someone can testify about how God was good to them and you can try to do what they do, but that's not going to help you. It's got to be real to you. Amen. All right. Verse 15, and then he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? You know, God wants to know who he is to you. You got to know who he is to you. Right. If you if you want him to help you in life, you got to know who he is to you. Amen. You got to know him. Not just know about him, but know him. There was a time in my life when I knew about God, but then there was a time in my life when I met him. And meeting him is a lot different than just knowing that he exists. I met him. He came into my heart. He came into my life in a very dramatic way. He became real to me. So real that nothing was going to convince me otherwise. That happened when I was 12, 40 years ago, a generation ago. Whoo. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the zealous fisherman, the energetic spokesman, the one who would act without thinking. Amen? He said, Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of Of the living God. And I bet all the other disciples were looking at, well, how did you know that? Right? I mean, can you, can you imagine the disciples looking at Peter like, huh? Look at you. You know, I bet this statement shocked them. Because he just spoke it up. All right, where did Peter get this? Did he learn it? No. Did he experience? God gave it to him. Say, God gave it to him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you. You know, revelation brings blessing. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I could see God go and say, Peter, he's the Christ, he's the Son of God. And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. In that, that revelation took place just like that. Jesus asked a question, he got a revelation, he spoke it out. Okay? You know, revelation can happen fast. Amen? You know, God has no problem downloading information. It's just whether or not we're going to receive that information. There's no interruption in God's communication. There's just interruption in how that communication is received. We know Cain didn't follow the instruction of God. He rejected the instruction and he sinned. He could have made right, but he didn't, he didn't accept the instruction. And I say unto you that you are Peter. You're a fragment of a rock. You're a part of a rock. And upon this rock, this big, huge, massive boulder, he was not calling Peter this big, huge, massive boulder, but he was calling the revelation the big, huge, massive boulder. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, and here we go. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. How many want the keys of the kingdom? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you four steps to receive the keys of the kingdom tonight. Four simple steps to receive some keys, not just to any, not just to any door, but to the kingdom. God gives you keys that unlock every door in the kingdom, every place in the kingdom, every secret place in the kingdom you have keys to. You have access to. You can get into. You can find out. Keys to mysteries. Keys to hidden things. Keys to treasures. Glory to God. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What are you going to do with these keys? Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. So, the foundation of the church is the revelation of who Jesus is. God started his church on the foundation of discovering who Jesus is. Not just discovering it, but knowing it. Do you know who he is? Oh, he's many things. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus builds his church on the rock of revelation, knowing who he is and confessing who he is. See, not only did Peter get some information, but Peter publicly confessed that information. He did something with the information that he received. He didn't keep it to himself. He put it on display. Amen. He acted on it. All right? You can't just know the information. You've got to act on it. Yeah. Romans 10, 9, and 10. You believe in your heart and what? Confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. 
Those are two ways your heart and your mouth, believing and confessing, bring salvation into manifestation. So believing and confessing bring things into manifestation. What manifested the healing of the woman with the issue of blood? Her belief and her confession. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. What did she do? She did what she said. I will touch his clothes. She didn't say, I'm going to do an experiment. She didn't say, I'm going to try this. She said, I shall touch, I will touch his clothes and, and I shall be made whole. She determined in her heart that that, that's how her healing was going to be manifest. Do you realize Jesus did not outline the terms of that healing? She did. Because he said, daughter, your faith, what? Made you whole. How did she get that? She got a revelation of Jesus is the healer. Oh, I'm telling you, she knew Jesus was her healer. I just got to touch the healing and health will be there. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody. I just got to touch the healer and I get health. Why? If you know him as healer, you can receive health. If you know him as savior, you can receive salvation. If you know him as provider, you can receive provision. Hallelujah. See, Jesus, he is the Christ, right? He's everything that we desire, want, and need. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the anointed. He is all in all. He is everything that God represents. Hmm. He enabled us to be like him. He is the essence of life. Who Christ is. He's the structure and the and its composition of life. He is the embodiment of life. He is the bread of life. He is the life giver. He is the resurrection and the life. This is why you got to know who he is. Amen. He is the full thought and the expression of the mind of God. (laughs) He is the express image of God. He is the physical representative on earth of God. If you see him, you've seen God. If you know him, you know God. If you touched him, you touch God. If you heard him, you heard God. Oh, hallelujah. And we can know and understand the Father through Christ. Christ is the bridge that reconnected us to the Father. Hallelujah. Every word in the Bible speaks of Christ. Everything that was written points to Christ. His presence is in the pages. He is the Word made flesh. And dwelt among us. The word put on an earth suit and he looks like Jesus. Think about that. 
Jesus is the embodiment of the word, right? Christ knows our life. And he, he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We don't have a high priest. We have a high priest who's been touched with our infirmities. Glory to God. Oh, this is good. He is our rock. He's the rock of our salvation. All right? Let me just tell you a, a brief glimpse of who Christ is. Okay? According to Hebrews 13, he's the one who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was the healer then, he's the healer now. If he was the Savior then, he's the Savior now and always will be the Savior. If he's the deliverer then, he's the deliverer now. If he's the provider then, he's the provider now. He is the same yesterday, today, and he spans across time. He is eternal. He is unchanging. This is why you can put your faith in him. He's not a roller coaster. He is steady. Okay? According to Colossians 1.15, he's the exact living image of the unseen God. He's the visible representation of the invisible. Woo! Glory to God. God is invisible, but Jesus is visible, and he's the representation. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the sovereign. He is the originator of, he is the creator of all creation. According to Revelation 1-5, he is the faithful and trustworthy witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is, he always loves us. He'll never stop loving you. He is, he freed us from our sins. Thank God. He freed us from our, that's who he is. He is a sin destroyer. He is a remover of burdens. Hallelujah. He He formed us into kings and priests. Glory to God. He gets the glory, the power, the majesty, and the dominion forever and ever. He will always be praised. Why? Because he is supreme. And he's going to be coming in the clouds. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the A to Z. He is the everything that you'll ever need, want, or desire. He is the beginning and the end. He's your past, present, and future. He is who we are. We, he, he is who we, we need to be. He's our example. He's our great high priest. He, he was, he is, and he is to come. He's the almighty, omnipotent ruler of all. That's just according to Revelation 1.5. Well, and Jude 1.24 and 25. He is the one who's able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin. Oh, my goodness. He can keep you from falling into sin. Cling to him. Cleave to him. 
He, he's the one who will present you blameless before God. He is your advocate. He is your defender. He'll present you blameless in the presence of his glory. Triumphant, he'll give you triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. Oh my goodness. Titus 3, 5 and 6. He renews you by, he cleanses you with a new birth. He's the one who causes us to be born again. I always wanted a shirt, if you didn't like being born, be born again. Right? He renews us by the Holy Spirit, which he poured out richly upon us, so that we would be justified. He's our justifier. He made us acceptable to him, and he made us heirs of eternal life. All right, 1 Timothy 1.15 and 16 and 17. He came into the world to save sinners. That was his goal. He came to seek and save that which is lost. You ever been lost? He sought you out. Aren't you glad he sought you and found you and brought you into the family? Hallelujah. He brought you out of the night into the light and made you right. Jesus Christ demonstrated his perfect patience as a pattern to those who would believe in him for eternal life. He is the king of ages. He is immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. In John 1.1, he was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He started this thing. He worked in this thing and he's going to finish this thing. Glory to God. When he comes again, this is who Christ is. Hebrews 1. God spoke to us through his Son. Let let me just read Hebrews 1.1. God, having spoken to the fathers long ago through the prophets and in many separate revelations and in many ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who is the owner of all things. He owns all things. He owns all things. You need something? I got it. You want something? I got it. You can have it. Amen? Amen? Through him he created the universe. Verse 3. The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of God. Oh my goodness. He reflects God's Shekinah glory. And... And three disciples got to see it before they died on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is who Christ is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we need to say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. He put on flesh so that we could put on the Word. He put on flesh so that we could put on the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been empowered to be like him. Go to Philippians chapter 2. My goodness. Are you getting this? 
Hallelujah. You've got to get a hold of these truths. And I haven't even gotten to my points yet. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if any encouragement or comfort in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship in the Spirit, and if there's any affection and compassion. You know, you can connect to God on three levels with your soul, your spirit, and your body. You can connect to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all at the same time. You're a three-part being just like your maker. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 2, make my joy complete. God's joy is not complete until you be like him. He said, being of the same mind. Say, I have the mind of Christ. I can think his thoughts. I can know his heart. I have the mind of Christ. God gets great joy when you, when you have his mind. His attitude, his heart. Did the Bible say you can have it? Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love. Can you have, oh my goodness, God shed his love abroad in our hearts. We can have the same love. A love that doesn't quit, a love that doesn't fail, a love that covers a multitude of sins. Say, I have the love of God. Say, my heart is full of the love of God. Okay? Having the same love and being knit together in the Spirit. When you're knit together, you're bringing two things to one. This this shirt had many threads, but they were brought to one to make a shirt. Amen? We are knit together with God in the Spirit. Oh, it's the same, it's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal body. See, I have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Glory to God. We've been knit together in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Intent on the purpose of spreading the gospel. All right. Go to verse 7, Philippians 2, 7. He emptied himself. Can we empty ourselves? What does the Bible say to crucify the flesh, right? Die to self. If Jesus emptied himself, we can empty ourselves. What's going to happen when we empty ourselves? We're going to get filled up with him. Have you made room for Jesus? You know, if if your closet is full... You can't go buy five new outfits and try to stuff it in that closet. You ever try to get something out of a closet that's been too stuffed? Hey Amen. Anybody got a coat closet? You try to get a coat out and you're like wrestling with a, a hanger. You know, you try to get that thing out and it's stuck and it's hooked on something. You've got to make some room for the new. Right? Say, I'm making some room for the new. Okay, he emptied out himself. But only temporarily giving up the outward expression of the divine equality and his rightful by assuming the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Jesus was made in the likeness of men so we could be made in the likeness of Christ. Yeah. 
We get to exchange. There's an exchange. God takes your filthy rags and what does he give you? A robe of righteousness. He takes your heaviness and gives you a garment of praise. How many want to exchange? You got some things to exchange tonight? God wants to upgrade your stuff. He wants to take your mess and make a miracle out of it. He wants to take your ashes and make something beautiful out of it. You got a pile of ashes tonight? God can make beauty out of ashes. Oh, my goodness. All right, go to verse 9. For this reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above every name. If you want God to exalt you like he exalted Jesus, then you got to live like Jesus. You got to act like Jesus. You got to think like Jesus. You got to speak like Jesus. Can we do that? Can we be like Jesus? Can we talk like him? Can we walk like him? Can we live like him? Hallelujah. Yes, we can. That's what he did to us. That's what he made available to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, here are four ways that you can encounter, that you can tap into the the keys of the power of Christ. Amen. Number one, you got to know him. You got to know him. Who do the people say that I am? Doesn't matter. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? To know him is not to have a head knowledge, but an intimate knowledge. To know him is like a man knows his wife, uh, like a husband knows his wife. That's the, that's the kind of intimacy. Amen. If you claim to know him, you got to know some details about him. Amen. I can guarantee you Fiona knows some details about me. She probably knows me better than I know myself. I, amen? You can't just have factual knowledge of him. You've got to have intimate knowledge of him. How do you, have to, how do you get intimate? You've got to come in. You've got to come into the secret place. You've got to come into the holy place. Amen? And you've got to fellowship with him. You've got to commune, talk with him. Amen? You've got to listen to him. You gotta hang out with him. Amen? Jesus is the greatest person you'll ever hang out with. You'll never have more fun with anybody else. Amen? I'm telling you, 10 minutes with Jesus can, can do a whole lot more than an hour of, hour of counseling. <laughs> you can't just have exper- experimental or sensual knowledge of him, you got to have revealed knowledge of him. you got to have a revelation. You know why Peter got a revelation? Because he knew Jesus. He knew, he knew God. Amen? He was walking with Jesus. He was walking with God. And he was, he was fellowshipping with the word. Peter was fellowshipping with the word. Wasn't he? He lived with the word. He went with the word. He walked with the word. He ate with the word. Right? So if you want to have revelation, you got to fellowship with the word. That's how you get to know his primary way of revealing himself to us is through his word. Say you got to say, I know him. John 17, three says, this is eternal life that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and what? 
the truth, see, but in order to experience the freedom, you got to know something. You can't be free if you don't know anything. What do you got to know? You got to know the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Amen. Say, Jesus is the truth. So if you know the truth, you're going to be set free. The truth will make you free. How's the truth going to make you free? Because you know it. Oh, my goodness. You got to know, what do you know of Jesus? Philippians 4, 9. Philippians 4, 9. The things which you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things. Say, I'm setting up a practice. What are you practicing? You're practicing to live like Jesus. Say, I'm going to implement his, his words. Can we implement what he said? Can we do what he said? Yes, he, he told us, he said, we can be doers of the word. Say, I'm a doer of the word. You got to put the word into practice. Every day. And notice, when you practice the word, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. How many want the God of peace with you? It depends on what you're practicing. You know, if you're living like the devil, you ain't going to have the peace of God. If you're living like the world, you're not going to have the peace of God. you you got to be living like Jesus. So number one, if you want... To tap into the power of Christ, you got to know him. Number two, what do you think of Jesus? Who do the people say that I am? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking about Jesus? Hmm? He thinks about you. He's got thoughts of you. Do you know that God thinks about you? He's been thinking about you since he created you. He's been thinking about the plans that he's made for you. He's been thinking about what, what he's set up for you. He's been thinking about what he's given to you. He's given you some promises. He's given you some land, right? Every one of us has got some land. This is our, this is our promised land right here. This is the promised land. All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. Do you meditate, ponder, consider, or contemplate Jesus? Everybody say, what would Jesus do? How many has ever thought about what would Jesus do in your situation? Would Jesus complain? No. Then you stop complaining. Oh. <laughs> Would Jesus worry? No, then you stop worrying. Oh, my goodness. I don't think you're going to get so personal, Pastor. What do you think of Jesus? You know, Philippians 4.8 tells us what to think on. Whatsoever things are true, honest, honorable, worthy of respect, right, Confirmed by the word, pure, wholesome, lovely, peaceful, admirable, and of good report. Are you thinking of a bad report or a good report? Are you thinking of your pain or your healing? 
Are you thinking of how they hurt you or how you can forgive them? Uh Uh-oh. Oh, my. How do, what are we thinking on? If you want, how many want perfect peace? Then put your mind on Christ. Think on him. Number two is how you think of Jesus is going to affect your situation. What are you thinking about? All right, number three. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe, trust, and accept who he is? Do you believe you're the healed? Or do you believe that you're the sick? Do you believe that you're victorious? Do you believe that you're poor or rich? Amen? Do you believe that you're more than a conqueror? So whatever challenge comes your way, you're ready to overcome. Say, no matter what comes my way, I will overcome it. I will beat it, and I will win. I win all the time. I don't lose. Hallelujah. This is what we believe. Do we live by what we believe? Mm. Do you believe his report or some other report? Whose report shall you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. (laughs) Romans 10.16 says, They did not all pay attention to the good news, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? What kind of report did the spies bring, did ten of the spies bring back? An evil report. Why was that report evil? They just said that there's some big dudes there that we're not able to. It was evil because it went against God. If you go against God, you're evil. Amen. So number three is what you believe about God, what you believe about Christ. You want to tap into its power. You got to do it by faith. Do you realize Hebrews 11.4 says Abel gave his offering by faith? Everybody say by faith. What are we supposed to live by? Our senses? Our feelings? Our emotions? What are we supposed to live by? Come on. Faith. Say, I live by faith. I walk by faith. I love by faith. I give by faith. I worship by faith. I attend church by faith. Hallelujah. I work by faith. Tomorrow, when you, when you, if you have to work tomorrow, go there by faith. If you're going to die, die in faith. That's the best way to die. We're going to die sometime. I'm just making a point. Amen? Let me tell you something. When you're in faith, death can't sting you. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so number one is what do you know? Number two is what do you think? Number three is what do you believe? And number four is what do you say about Jesus? What do you say about Jesus? Your words reveal your belief. 
Your mouth is going to tell on your heart. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Your words reveal your belief. Look at the soldiers that said nothing versus the shepherd that said, I'm going to, I'm going to kill that giant. His words revealed what he believed. The soldiers didn't believe in anything, so they didn't say anything. You know, that's a, that's a cowardly way to take. If you don't believe nothing, you're not going to say nothing. Right? I know that that may not be right English, but I don't care. Your confession of truth activates his power. How can you move a mountain? Can you get some TNT? Hmm? Can you go get the world's strongest man? How can you move a mountain? What can you do to move a mountain? Oh, speak to it. You can speak to a mountain. That's using your mouth. Amen. Say, my mouth can move mountains. In your mouth is your victory. In your mouth is your healing. Hallelujah. In your mouth is your provision. Glory to God. My goodness. Confession and believing are both necessary. You've got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Both of them are necessary. Amen? So what are you saying? All right. Last part of scripture. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And then I'm done. And we're going to tap into the power of Christ. You know, Christ is here. The anointing is here. The yoke destroying. Burden. If you came in here with a yoke, we're going to shatter that thing. If you came in here a bur- with a burden, we're going to remove that thing. Amen? And we, God, the anointing wants to make you free. So free that you make the devil nervous. Amen? So free that nothing can stop you. Glory to God. John chapter 14. Hallelujah. Look, look at verse 8. You're going to see all these principles in, these ex- in this exchange with Jesus. Right? Philippians, I'm, I'm sorry, John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient. Okay? Little did he know that the express image of the Father was standing right there before him and talking to him. And he's saying, show us the Father. All right, Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me? Philip didn't have a revelation that Jesus was the image of the Father. He had no revelation. He didn't know that that's who Christ was. Hallelujah. He didn't have a revelation. Okay? The Amplified says, Do you not know me yet, Philip, nor recognize clearly who I am? Philip didn't recognize clearly who he was. Lord, show us the Father. Here he is. Look. You're looking into the Father's eyes. You're seeing the Father before you. Where is he? He's before you. I can't see him. That's the point. Okay? Verse 10. 
Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Philip didn't believe that. He didn't believe that there was, that there was an exchange of the Father and Jesus and the Jesus and the Father. He said, the words that I speak unto you, that's the saying, right? the words I speak unto you are not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. <laughs> Have you ever ordered a sandwich with the works? God does the works. What does that mean? He does it all. He does it all. And he doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold back his goodness. He doesn't hold back his power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Amplified says in verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not say in my own initiative or authority. See, there's the authority part. The keys are authority. But the Father abiding continually in me does his works. His miracles and acts of power. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. Verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me. How many believe on him? The works that I do shall he do also. You can do the works of Jesus. Why? We've been given the authority and the ability by God to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? His spirit is in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, so that we can do the same things. Can we lay hands on the sick and they recover? Can we raise the dead? Absolutely. Can, can we lead someone to Jesus? Yes. We can do what he did. Amen? Do you believe it? Say, I believe I can do what he did. All right, verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. When you have an intimate knowledge and you're thinking on God and you believe in him and you're talking about him, you're in agreement with him. You're in unity with him. You're in harmony with him. And when you ask him to do something, he'll do it. That ought to boost your prayer life right there. Whatsoever you shall ask him. Now, see, he's not talking about some crazy person that's not in agreement with him. You can't ask anything outside of the will of God to be done for you. Like, uh, you know, uh, someone who's single is wanting someone who's married. So they're going to be my spouse. No, they're married. Sorry. All right. He's not talking about you can ask whatever you will. It's got to be in line with God's word. It's got to be in agreement with God's will. Amen. That will I do that the father may be glorified. I'm telling you tonight, God, Jesus wants to glorify the father. Victory glorifies the father. Healing glorifies the father. Help glorifies the father. Provision glorifies the father. Amen. What Jesus is going to do tonight, he's going to do it to glorify the Father. Amen? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. In verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Double enunciation, double, double power. Double, double. Right? Verse 13 and verse 14, that's double, double. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He said that twice. Right? And then he said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. 
Right? All these things in John 14 are the principles found in Matthew 16. Amen? So we know him. Do you know him? Are you thinking about him? Amen? See, when, 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 when Jesus thinks, he thinks in abundance. He thinks in completely defeating enemies. He never thinks in partial victories. He thinks in, in big whole things, right? God is a, he, he's a big whole chunking God. Right? He thinks in big things. You know, when we think something, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Those three words, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's how he thinks. Amen? Now, we will never supersede our master, but we certainly can be like our master. Amen? Because he made us sit together where? In heavenly places. Say, I have a seat at the table. Say, I'm ready to tap in to the power of Christ. He is the Christ. Right? And we're going to tap into his power. Amen? Just like Peter did. Peter didn't know he was tapping into the power. You know, I bet Peter surprised himself when he answered that question. I bet Peter looked around and said, how did I answer that question? Well... Amen? But he tapped into something. And because he did what he did, he received keys of the kingdom. There's no door that stands in your way with a lock too big on it that your key doesn't work in it. Amen? And what does it mean to bind and loose? Look, what's forbidden in heaven, you forbid on earth. What's allowed in heaven, you allow on earth. That's what that means. Simple. Amen? So we're going to bind the devil. And we're going to lose God's strength and power. Amen? So if you came in here tonight, and for whatever reason, you know, you need to tap into the power of Christ, I want you to come in. And you're going to tap into this power that's available to you right now in the name of Jesus. Just like a driller taps, just like a well driller taps into water. Just like an oil driller taps into oil. You're going to tap into some power. You're going to plug in. Oh, you're about to get plugged in. Father, I thank you right now for plugging her in, in the name of Jesus, to the source of goodness, to the source of power. Oh, you're about to plug in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now that there's a divine connection in the name of Jesus. You've plugged into the power of Christ in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what's going to happen when I plug in? I don't know. You've got to plug in to find out. 